Everyone, this is Matt General with 420 Ministries. I'm really excited for you to get to listen to this message and come into an encounter with Jesus Christ as you listen to it. This is week 11 of our 12-week series of, as a community, learning what it means to minister to the Lord. Uh, we get to a place in our Christian lives of where I think that we are confronted with this reality that we never can possibly get to a point where we outgrow our need for Him. The vulnerability that Jesus calls us into, the level of trust that Jesus calls our hearts into, learning to trust Him in ways that oftentimes scare the living daylights out of us, but through intimacy with Him and prioritizing what it means to minister to His heart, practice this, discover this, grow in this, we learn to discover beautiful intimacy with Him. So as you listen to this message this week and you discover that we never outgrow our need for Him, I pray that you are equipped and empowered to live as a son or daughter in His kingdom. Bless you guys this week as you listen. I think I, I need to learn how to have portions of Scripture that I've, that I've read like multiple times over and over. Um, I can't afford to get to a place of where um, it doesn't, it just, it doesn't affect me. Like if I want to get to a point of where reading John 3.16, which I'm pretty sure any like little kid that's been born and raised in children's church, walk up to him and ask him what John 3.16 is. And it's like, I think it's, it's written multiple times up in the children's church room right above your new direction here. Um, but I, I can't afford to get to a place of where I read these things and it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't do something to me. And it doesn't, it doesn't make me stop, think. It doesn't make me stop and repent. It doesn't make me stop and be thankful. And um, being com completely vulnerable with all of you, this has been um, probably this month for, for Brandy and I, ha we've just been making making some decisions for our family that have um, decisions that when the Lord begins to call you out into deeper realms of, of trust, just quite frankly, it, it's, it scares the crap out of you. <laughs> and oftentimes when the Lord invites you to, invites you to come closer to him, We'll, we'll read this in just a minute. Actually, I want to read it out of a different translation. So still stay with me in Psalm 23, please. Oftentimes the Lord invites us forward and then there's like this, I believe he holds this sword out in front of him and he invites you and says, hey, come here. I want to talk to you for a minute. And he invites you to come close to him. And there's no going around it. There's no, there's no stepping around this sword that he holds out in front of him and that he invites you um, to, to walk towards him in. And, and if, you're, if you're tempted to say, well, that doesn't really sound like a good father. That doesn't really sound like a gracious king. That doesn't really sound like someone who is love. But it depends on how you look at it. Because I believe that Jesus in his mercy will expose things in us that have yet to be touched by his love because he cares for you and loves you enough for there to be a stronghold of thought or of belief that has not had a head-on collision with his grace and mercy and he will, he will refuse to allow it to remain in you. That's, that is mercy. <laughs> that is mercy of the purest form. 
It's mercy in its purest form that Jesus would see something in me that I don't even know is there. He would show the mercy on me to say, like, like that's, almost, that's almost like you as a good mother or father, or if you're, if you're not a mother or father in here, you as a good friend in here, or whatever, whatever category it is. That would be like you willfully knowing that your best friend or son or daughter has like a tumor and you have everything that you need to get it taken. Like, and, and you know, like, hey, they're gonna be dead in a week if something, if something isn't done about this. And then you just didn't do anything. It would be in your mercy to expose what is painful in that person to then bring a solution that would deal with the problem. Yeah, does it make sense when I say that? And I wanna be just like totally vulnerable with you guys this evening and just and totally honest with you. There have been decisions that Brandy and I have been making over the past couple of weeks that oftentimes you get you get to a point in, in your in your faith journey, in your walk with Jesus, of where it's it's time to die into the life that he has for you. And I know that that doesn't sound very um, I know that, I'm sorry if that doesn't sound very hopeful or, 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 or good news-y, but it's, um, I'm learning that it's the best news that there is because when I die into the life that he has for me, nothing of what I'm hanging on to of what I think remains and I, just, and, and I get all of him and he doesn't just become an accessory, but he, comes the ver- but he becomes the very source and I can encounter him as so. But oftentimes Jesus will hold this sword out in front of himself and he will invite you to come and walk closer to him. And then as you walk it, it begins to cut you and divide you, joint from marrow, soul from spirit, and it begins to expose things in you. And you have a couple of options of what you can do when these things begin to happen. You can either go into isolation and you can either go into isolation and cut yourself off. And, and, and by the way, um, a lot of times, actually, I'm gonna wait before I just go there. Let's just pause that for a minute. You can either go into isolation, shut yourself off from community, friends, fellowship, and just and, and completely shut down. For, I'll be honest, for me, that's my number one go-to. Shut everything down, shut everything up, and go into isolation. Two, um, you can become cynical. The, the, the times in your life that you have genuinely encountered, genuinely encountered Jesus, moments that were undeniable of like, hey, that was the Lord and me in that moment. There was no way around it. You begin to say, oh, well, that probably wasn't as legitimate as I think it is. You begin to listen to the voice of an accuser that illegitimizes the sincerity of relationship that you have had and are having with the Lord. Or, and then three, you just you just go into into a place of anger, and you just and and then you don't and you don't do anything with that anger, and, and maybe you, you could say like you go into a place of confusion, and, and I'm not saying anger in the sense of like you're going to punch something or someone. Anger can manifest in a lot of forms. Anger can manifest in and you're and you're sad and you're upset. Anger can manifest in confusion. And I'm sure if you were to keep going, there's a list of different things that happen as you're walking the length of this sword, or what you can do is learn to let him hold you and, and learn to allow how romantic and how loving he is to offend every bit of religion and fear out of you. Does it make sense when I, when I say that? And you learn to sit with him long enough to where your fears are confronted, your unbelief is confronted, 
Poor theology is confronted. And by poor theology, I mean you thinking that he's not as kind as what he actually is. You're forced to deal with that when you sit with him long enough. And this has been just an intense month of that, of, of asking the Lord questions, not, not getting answers, and then coming back to the fact of the Lord realizing, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the answer to your prayer if it gives you permission to continue on down the road just yet apart from me, but you got your answer, but then you don't have me. And learning that when I come in to be with the Lord, and I sit with him, if the only thing I hear him say is my name, is that, is that enough for me? And if the only thing I hear him say is the whisper of my name back to me, as I say Jesus, as he whispers back Matthew, how do I jealously guard what he graciously gives me to hang on to, his, his voice, the breath in his voice? And I've been meditating on Psalm 23 a lot recently. Hold on, let me get to this. And I just want to, and I want to say this, there was, um, there was a couple of Thursday nights ago, um, we, had a, we had a smaller group here, um, and I felt like the Lord put this charge on my heart of, it was, it was I, I don't even really know how to describe it, it was almost like an invitation into what the Lord, what we feel like the Lord is doing here on Thursday nights and also Wednesday mornings. And it was this, and it was really interesting. I had never felt something on my heart like this before. Of, uh, it was like the Lord giving me permission to make just like this definitive statement of what, of what we believe is going on here, of building a house of prayer where the Lord can exist. And I remember saying, let us not despise the day of small beginnings because there will come a time of where we miss this. And we miss what is happening here. And we miss the, the couple and the few in the upper room together. And I've been, I've been thinking about that time. I've been thinking about that Thursday night. I've been thinking about some of the decisions that the Lord has had Brandy and I making this week as far as our future of, of stepping more into um, what the Lord is, is doing here, the things that he's asking, our, us, uh, asking us to give of our family to him, the ways that he's asking us to trust him and the way that it's easy, especially as, as a husband, especially as a leader of a home to say like, no, like I'm not, doing that. There's nothing about that that's responsible, safe, clean, or orderly. Like, how am I going to explain this to parents? How am I going to explain this to, like, people from that on the outside that are looking in? Like, how, how do you explain this without just looking like, dude, you're an, you're an idiot and you're irresponsible. Like, how do you explain that? And so I finally realized it's not, it's not my responsibility at all to, to explain any of it. And if, I, and, if, and if we look like a fool for him, if your life is counted as foolishness to him, then congratulations, you're exceeding because the, the, it is written that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But no one in this room, if you are born again, none of you are, are perishing. And so if you're in a place of where you're saying, what is the point of trusting in Jesus? I look like a fool. I feel like a fool. I feel like I'm out on this line just hanging out to dry. I promise you it is not foolishness. You are creating history in heaven and storing up in heaven rewards that this earth knows nothing of. 
And you are building a sensitivity in your heart so that even when the name of Jesus is mentioned in a casual conversation, it does something to your heart and it breaks you because there's a familiarity of dependency upon the name that comes across your lips and realizing he is life and he is source and he is everything that I need. This can only be learned as, he, as you walk the length of that sword, dying unto yourself and living into the blissful life that he has for you. And it's not always impressive to talk about that because it gets messy and it gets frustrating. And sadly, I have found over the years the number one place that Christians are not themselves is church. Because we have wildly high expectations of ourselves, and that we think others have of us and you never get who you actually are. It was, it was, it, it, it's rare how many times I think that we, we feel the, the full permission to walk into a place or let, let's just say walk into our time with the Lord for the example and fully be ourselves with the people in the room and ultimately with, with the Lord himself, giving him what is actually going on and recognizing that I think if the Lord sees the end from the beginning and he knows internally what is going on with us, I don't think that he's impressed by our, our ability to hold it together. I think that what brings him delight is the, as, as Hosea 6.6 6 would say, I'm not desiring that you would offer sacrifices, do the right things. I desire that you would know me. He's talking about Israel and their fickle faith. It's, 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 it's like the morning mist, the morning dew, as quickly as it appears, it just as quickly disappears. And in, so, in Hosea, the Lord says to Israel, you don't get it. I'm not asking you to get to do the right things. I'm asking that you would know me. And we're here and we're gathering to know him. This is our 11th week in our 12-week series of learning what it means to minister to the Lord. And we're discovering that. We just got done practicing it. And we are coming into a place of, of, of and by the way, when you come in on Thursday nights, it's, it's not just worship with music with an incredibly gifted band and then a teaching from the, from the written word of God. It is, it is practicing the presence of God, experimenting, learning together, explaining it, and then leaving to go live it. It's a one, two, three right out the door of here. Does that make sense when I say it that way? And there's this, I don't want to make this super broad. And, and, I, and oftentimes I think sometimes what the Lord is doing in you individually, we begin to make this broad thing, assuming that the Lord is doing it with everyone. So I, I don't want to do that. If this resonates with you, awesome. I'm simply just trying to talk out of the vulnerability and overflow of my heart of what's going on. Otherwise, I'm just going to stand up here and pretend out of a message that's not coming out of an authentic place and I don't really want to do that, and you guys don't really need that. <laughs> but I want to read this right now, and then, we'll, and then we're going to go over to Zechariah chapter 3. But really quick, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks 
Take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so I can bring honor to his name. I don't think it's about you getting it right in the journey of faith. I think it's about learning to linger and be with him long enough that we learn to simply follow his leading, that it's not about knowing how our steps are ordered. It's simply about knowing that he has stepped before us and simply by looking at him, we know the way to go. And it's not about, well, do I do this or do I do that? It's no, you don't have it within you to mess it up. You don't have it within you to to get this thing wrong. And And let's just say on the off chance, you went left and you were accidentally supposed to go right. I'm learning this so hardcore this month. Let's say I went right. I was accidentally supposed to go left. You, we are not so big that the Lord cannot redeem a single choice that was made. You're just, we're, we're not. And we, and we have to refuse to believe anytime you get in your lives of where the language in your head becomes very high stakes. And by high stakes, I mean like you start to think in terms of like spiritual life or death. Like, oh, if I do this, this is ruined and messed up and, and it's gonna throw off my destiny. And it's gonna throw off my future. It's, it's not your destiny and your future. If your destiny and your future looks like anything apart from him, it's not a destiny or a future. The only thing that's waiting for you is him because he's already there. So what better thing to do than learn how to be with him in the now, knowing that he will carry you to wherever it is that you are trying to be. I know that that was kind of confusing, but does does that make sense the way that that's coming across? So in other words, simply put, pressure come off of you (laughs) in Jesus' name. I probably could have just said that and it would have been a lot lot easier, so sorry. Brandy tells me all the time, she's like, dude, you use a lot of words when it could have just been like really simple. What's that scene from Kevin in the office where he's like, why, why, use, why use more word when little word do good? Anyway, Psalm 23, three, I'm sorry, Psalm 23, four. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, and I'll stop for a minute. Whose path is it? It's his path. Well, if the Lord loved me, he wouldn't ask me to walk through this. How else are you going to learn how to let him hold you? How, how, else, how else are you going to learn that? The Lord so desires that we learn by experience and not just by theory. He will lead you into that path, not so that he can watch you lose, but that, so that you can watch him fight for you. So it's his path through the valley of deepest darkness. And by the way, when you're there, fear will never conquer you. For you, he, Jesus, already has. Your authority is my strength and my peace. I don't see anything in this verse that has anything to do about you. It has everything to do about him and what has been finished and just your ability to yield into it. That's really good news, by the way. And this is the best one. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. 
You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why should I, why, so why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me. Everyone in here say pursue. Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you, to be forever with you. Go with me over to Zechariah chapter 3, please. Zechariah chapter 3, right towards, um, right towards the very end of your Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. If you, if you are in a place of where you just feel like you have been enduring accusation after accusation, and maybe not even from other people, maybe just you towards yourself, this is where you, you, you let, let's listen up in this. As this accusation is coming, verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, See, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, They should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. It's important every day that we learn how to live from the affirmation of the Father into our lives. It's, it's, it's vitally important. And if you want to know what this has to do with ministering to the Lord, it has everything to do with, with learning to minister to the Lord. For week one of this series, we define ministering to the Lord as simply loving him rightly, just simply loving him with the love that he deserves, existing to satisfy his jealousy. That is why we are here, and that is why you're coming on Thursday nights. You're not just coming to a service. You're coming to essentially a giant discipleship experiment called 420 Ministries. That is, let's learn how to minister to the Lord and then live out the gospel every day. And by learning to receive the Lord's love for yourself, we will have something to give back to him. And by receiving the Lord's love for yourself, you will have something to give away to other people around you. Verse six, then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Jeshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. If you follow my ways 
and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. Put yourself in this right now. Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Why are we doing this and why are we gathering here? Because if we want what is happening in heaven to happen on the earth, then we have to do what it is that they are doing in heaven. And what they are doing in heaven is looking at the Lord and ministering to him constantly, all the time, forever and ever. And if we want the results of heaven on earth, which by the way, according to Colossians, you all, all of you are ambassadors, which you, one, of your, one of your earthly assignments is to recreate the heavenly world down here. That, that, that is one of your responsibilities. If you are born again and you're in this room tonight, one of your responsibilities is to learn what does my home country look like and how do I recreate my home country here? How do I make here look like there? We start by learning to look at him as 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 say, for the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We learn to host the spirit of the Lord for which there creates a culture of freedom. We become freedom, we become free in and of ourselves. And then verse 18, by beholding his face as in a mirror, we are transformed into his image. So we are free and we are free to be transformed into his image to recreate him in the world simply just by looking at him. Another subtle reason, rabbit trail, why it's so important as to what you give your attention to as far as eyes. What am I looking at? I'm not just talking about like, like, like moral things. I'm talking about internally of the heart. What gets my attention? What are my daydreams? What, what, what am I constantly fixing thoughts on? What is, when I, when I, when I go throughout the day, what, what gets to have my attention? Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Now look at the jewel I have set before you, Jeshua, a single stone with seven facets. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine and fig tree. By establishing a place where the Lord is ministered to, and it's not just about, by, by the way, I, I don't want to make it sound like the gathering and the service and the Sunday morning is not important. It's actually a scriptural command to not forsake the coming together of the brethren. It's, it's, it's biblical, it's important, and, it's, and every time you gather on Sunday morning, the next time you wake up, even after you don't want to wake up, and you choose to go to church on a Sunday morning, that is actually, that's, that's you being obedient. It's not just you being a good person. It's you literally fulfilling scripture, scripture simply by just walking through the doors of a building to worship with other Christians. But when we establish a, pay, a place that the Lord is ministered to, 
our neighbor, our brother and sister, the person on your left and right, they have something to gather into a house of the Lord. And by house of the Lord, I'm not just saying this this place on King Avenue, this, this house of the Lord, I'm talking about the house of the Lord. Everyone in your say house of the Lord. And because you have learned to host him, people will literally be drawn to the peace, to the love, to the representation of Christ that is within you because it literally just leaks out of you. I have a testimony of of a friend of mine. One time he was walking into the gym and he was worshiping the Lord in his car the whole way to the gym. And he's just, he's just wor- worshiping Jesus and just having this amazing time with the Lord. And he just, and he, he puts his headphones in. And as he's getting out of his car, walking into the gym, um, he it goes to scan his card at the, at the gym. And the person just stops him. Like, I, and he's not like, not really paying attention. He's just like, Hey, I, I was in my car worshiping. Now I'm walking and worshiping and now I'm going to go work out and, and continue worshiping. And the person at the front desk literally stopped him and just in, in a way that he didn't really know how to ask, he essentially just said like, Hey, what's like, like, who are you? If you don't mind me asking, is it, what do you, like, what do you mean who I am? Like, what, like, what do you, like, I'm just, I'm just a guy. Like, I'm not anyone important. What do you mean who I am? He's like, no, like, like what, what is it about you? Like, I feel like we've met before. There's something familiar about you. And, and, and this guy that I know, he, he was literally just like, I've, I had never, I had never met this dude before in my life. Like, no man, like we're not old friends. Like we didn't go to school together. I don't know who he is. I feel like I know you. I feel like there, there's something familiar and, and inviting about you. Like, are you sure that we don't know each other? And, and my friend stood there and just looked at him and just said, Hey, I drove into the parking lot worshiping Jesus. I walked into the gym here worshiping Jesus. I believe that you're being attracted to the presence of God right now, which is Jesus himself. It has nothing to do about me, but about the life that is coming out of me. Do you want to know him? He didn't say a single word. He's he's in a moment of worshiping God. Someone noticed it, saw it, and came walking to it. When we minister to the Lord, it destroys the belief that says we exist for people. And there's some of you that are going to, to hear that and say, and, and, and I, I can feel, even as I say it, there's this like, no, that goes against everything I was ever taught. I'm not saying that we don't love, if, if you're saying that, if you're thinking that what I'm saying is we just gather into the church and turn it into a country club where people get a pass to come through the door, you've missed the whole point of this message and you weren't listening. I'm saying it's you become something to then walk out of here and release it to people. But when people come to us and they only get us, their needs are not met because you outside of Christ cannot meet a single need. You can't. You need to lead them to source because if your real life is hidden with Christ in God, it is important that you discover who you are in God. So when someone does come to you for a need, you are actually able to, if if the Lord calls you to minister to that need, you minister to it in a way that's not just powerless or empty. Is this like, is this, I feel like I'm like overshooting a little bit. Like, is this landing with you guys? This coming in? Okay. I feel like even if it didn't, you guys would still, don't be nice. Like actually tell me like, no, dude, we are not with you right now. This is making sense, right? Okay. 
Yeah, don't, don't be nice. That doesn't, do, that doesn't help me or do any good. <laughs> By learning of what it means to minister to the Lord, I, I believe that that is where we first fulfill the Great Commission. And oftentimes, since we have started these, these gatherings, there's been questions that have come up, even just questions in our own direct leadership team of you look around today's world and today's culture and a lot of what we do in, in, in church on a Sunday morning, and I know because as of right now, I spend about almost 25 to 30 hours of my week doing this. Nothing wrong with this. But if someone comes to church and gets me, then they radically wasted their time. If they come to church and get him, then they found everything they ever need. When we turn a Sunday morning gathering into the fishing and keeping for people, everything that you're doing will be only sustained off of your ability to create and manufacture something impressive to the human eye that causes me to want to press in. And then out of my creativity, I have to keep you constantly. And even the most creative minds, no matter how dynamic or creative or how passionate your team is, you're going to hit burnout at some point in time along that end. I mean, you just, you, you will, because you're, you're, not, you're not sustained. The church is not called to be built off of you. It's called to be built off of him and the revelation of Christ Jesus as Lord. Simon, who do you say that I am? My, my Lord, you, you, you are the Christ. Surely flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. When Jesus said that, that the church would be built off of Peter as the rock, it would, it, that it, it would be built off of the revelation that Peter captured of the one standing in front of him, Jesus as the rock, Jesus as the source. Jesus is the reason as to why we're doing all of it. <clears throat> Can I tell you right now, if, if we're s strictly rewinding a little bit and going back to the topic of meeting the needs of people, I have seen more things happen in the, um, in the lane of evangelism simply just by privately ministering to the Lord and not even trying to minister to the needs of people and things almost just seem to step in front of you. Because I believe Jesus attracts the weakness and brokenness of people, the weakness and brokenness of people. And when you host him here physically and here spiritually, I just believe people are drawn to it. Maybe there's some of you in here that you feel like your whole life, you're just like, I don't know what it is. Just like people are just drawn to me. Maybe they, there's just a, a problem that people deal with and they always seem to find their way to you. They always seem to find their way to you. I fully believe that that has something to do with the way that you have individually hosted Jesus and the way that Jesus is manifesting within you to then that he does want you to reach out in a way to the, to the world around you. But times that I have made people the focus, meeting needs the focus, I take myself and put myself in a seat of which there is no grace that for a moment of time, I can only hope to do through gifting, adrenaline, and, 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 and self-willed passion that then at the end of the day will always leave you tired and burnt out in, in, some, in some way. But when I tap into a source 
That is Jesus himself. By looking at him, I become him. My real life is hidden with Christ and God. And then by becoming him and ministering to him, I'm then able to release him. We're talking about our neighbor and people actually having something to gather to and come to that they can sit under and reside in and feel like home. Not because you were creative enough or I was creative enough to, to call 25 people in the week and invite them back to church, but simply because the spirit of the living God drew them into a community where he himself was and the saints were simply just ministering to him to make him feel welcome. And then the lost person came in and saw what they were staring at and they became it themselves. All that you did was host him. And then your outreaches actually become a celebration of the one that lives in you and you want to go out and share that celebration rather than trying to persuade people to come to church. Or doing evangelism out of a place of guilt and shame. Oh man, it's been a long time since I've shared the gospel with someone. I, I, I better go ahead and get to it. No offense, you checking a box of a chore that you need to do doesn't do that person's dying soul any good. They don't need your religious guilt. They need an encounter with love. By becoming love, you can then release love. So start staring at him and then become him. What Jeshua, the high priest, I believe is dealing with here is learning to come out, learning to come out from the accusations of the enemy and learning to have what the Lord says about him be, be what defines him so that it then changes his thinking so that the way that he lives and the way that he goes about living can be totally different from whatever he was doing before he got to this point. <clears throat> you all still with me? There was, uh, when Brandy and I, we made the decision to um, move here to Indianapolis. It's been, um, it's been coming up on six years now, which is crazy to me. That's, that's, that's wild. It's been six years now. And it, there has been the, these, these, these times and this shifting of the season of where the Lord asks us and demands more, more trust of us. And this new shifting of the season this past couple of months has, has been one of the hardest out of the whole six years that we've been here. Because learning to trust the Lord as provider, learning to trust the Lord um, with your future, learning to also trust the Lord with the ego that, uh, that you have. I, I keep saying you, let's just be honest, I'm talking about myself. Learning to trust the Lord with the ego that I have of myself, of so badly wanting to have it together, having what we're doing, what I'm doing, be polished and clean. When the Lord calls you to die to that and be foolish for him, that, that will cause some offensive things to rise up within you. I want to look like I have it together. I, we, I want to look like we know what we're doing. And then what you begin to do in that moment is every other voice and every other opinion begins to come, become the vocabulary of your very life. And you stop learning to live from the affirmations of what Jesus 
Father and Holy Spirit declare over you and dance around you in this, in this, in this holy trinity of union that you find yourself smack dab in the middle of in, middle in, because that is where your true life is found. And I want to encourage you that if there's any of you in here tonight that are finding yourself in this place of the Lord calling you deeper into trust, I don't have like any impressive one-liner or or like or requotable thing or or like a, a one sentence fixes fixes all. Truly, 100% with a clear mind, with a, with a clear conscience and a convicted heart, I can truly say the only answer I'm finding is learn to let Him hold you. Learn, learn to let him hold you. And even the words that are offered in prayer aren't even important anymore. You come into the secret place to be with him and it's just a sigh and the Lord says, oh, I know exactly what you mean. And it's learning to trust him in a way that you feel like you never have before. Because as you seek first the kingdom and all of these other things are added unto you, I don't know why I, I and like and this I'm moving slow through this message because I'm 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 speaking it from this place of like I'm literally in the middle of learning this like this this is not from I'm teaching from like oh years ago I learned this it's like like learning this right now trying to talk to you all out of it very unfinished very unpolished and and very just like unimpressive <clears throat> I just think that there, there, there's a point in time in your life of where you have to let go of yourself. Just, just plain and simple. I don't really know how else to say it. You just have to let go of yourself and trust yourself into the goodness of the one that is love. And if you're wondering, that's scary, that's freaky. I don't want to do that. Well, what's the Lord going to ask of me? I don't know. Maybe he'll ask you to go to the, go to the nations. Maybe he'll ask you to go into the business world. Maybe he'll ask you to start a nonprofit. Maybe he'll ask you to clean toilets for a living. Maybe he'll ask you to make, make music, write books, write poems. Maybe he'll ask you to build things, repair things. Maybe you'll change diapers every day for the rest of your life until you, your, your kids are outgrown and you can't even do it anymore. Like, and if there's one thing I've found is that learning to let him hold you in the midst of all of those pursuits is like, like that, that's it. Like that, that is it. And I'm learning that. Like that's, that is it. By learning to let him hold me, he deals with my unbelief. He deals with my critical religiosity. He deals with my fear of, shoot, well, what if I, what if Brandy and I, what if, what if we, what if I lead my family left and we were supposed to go right? Doesn't matter. He's holding it all together. With, if without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I made this decision full of faith. This is what we are supposed to be doing. This is where we're supposed to be going. Even if it was wrong, and if, and if your theology disagrees with this, then come talk to me afterwards. We can have a conversation. Even if, even if I was wrong, I just believe he's going to make it right. I don't believe that that gives you permission to live like an idiot in the name of faith, saying that he's going to bless it and prosper it. But I'm talking about not living outside of his word. I believe he, 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 he will turn it around and he will bless it. And again, that's not permission to take your plans, stamp it with Jesus's name and say, okay, now do it. I'm talking about a, a living that comes only from leaning upon him to where your will dissolves into his. <clears throat> Mm 
if you would, if you, if you would, will you stand, uh, stand to your feet with me right now as we, as we close out tonight? Who was playing keys tonight? Was that who? Faith. Was Faith here? Would you, Faith, will you, will you hop back up on the piano for a little bit? Is that okay? Cool. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> Don't always end um, service this way, but um, honestly, I just, I just really want to right now, if that's okay. Um, Just out of curiosity, even if it's, even if it's just one, how, how many of you feel like you are in a place of where the Lord is, is, is asking more trust of you? Like, how, how many of you would say that? Okay. I don't really have a reason for that. I, just, I was just curious, I guess. I just wanted to, I just wanted to know. Um, I wasn't asking for any type of response. Uh-uh. Even if you're in a place of where it's like, I don't really feel like the Lord is asking more trust of me. You're still gonna wake up tomorrow needing to trust him. You're still gonna wake up tomorrow needing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, learning to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not upon your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledging him so that paths are made straight in your life. You're still gonna need that. So really it would say the Lord is calling all of us every day into deeper levels of trust with him, that, that's, that's, gonna, that's gonna be the story of your life regardless. And so here's what I would like to do right now. Um, just with your, your eyes closed and your, actually do, do whatever you wanna do, just something so that you're not looking to your left or to your right or at me. Do whatever you wanna do, but. So there's this, uh, the picture that I think of is the horses that are downtown um, on like nice nights or like definitely around Christmas, like the carriage rides and like the, the big Clydesdale horses that have the blinders on their eyes that keep them from looking at cars that are flying by them or like people coming up and pretty much just the horses that have the blinders on their left and right to eliminate distraction. I want you to just be in this moment right now and imagine Jesus walking up to you and he puts both of his hands on the side of your face, almost like creating blinders on, from your left and from your right. Just, and, and, and almost like your, your, your peripheral vision does not exist. You can only see straight ahead. And since he is in front of you and has walked right up to you and both of his hands are on the side of your face, all that you can see is him. He doesn't even allow you to turn your head to the left or to the right. To look to the left or your, uh, to, to look to the left or right, you would have to exercise your will to remove your head out of his hands. And just yield to him right now. He puts his left hand upon your left cheek, his right hand upon your right cheek, and he just says, look at me. And he says more with the gaze in his eyes towards you than the words that could possibly come out of his mouth.
And trust me, I'm, I, I, I know the questions that you may wanna ask. Okay, well, how long am I gonna do this? How long is this going to be for? Well, after we do this, what's going to be next after that? Is there a paycheck at attached to that that's gonna provide for my family when we do this? How do I know that I'm not gonna look like an idiot when I step out on this? What do I do when other people around me, their lives look like this, and I'm willfully allowing my family's life to turn into this by trying to be obedient to this? What do I do with that? All of those questions, all of those things that come up. What are my friends and family gonna think? I've got friends that say, hey, you're weird for following the Lord Jesus Christ that way. Jesus, what do I do with all of that? And his only response to you is, look at me. Well, that still doesn't answer what I, what I need to be having answered. That still doesn't deal with what I need to have be getting dealt with. And before you know it, you're beholding the one that is the answer in front of you. And just, you get to this place of where you find, I don't even know, but I know he knows, and that's enough for me. I don't know, but I know he does. And simply by beholding him, and I behold the one that is the answer, I enter into peace that passes all understanding. Because he knows, and he is the answer. So if I have him, then I'm good. If you came into this room tonight wearing priestly garments that are covered in filth and dirty, your, your priestly turban has fallen off and you, and you just came here just a mess and, and, and filthy in what you were wearing, let the Lord reclothe you tonight. However that looks like, ask him to do that right now. Let him reclothe you in his righteousness and really, we should say in your righteousness as well, because it is your inheritance. You honor his sacrifice by letting him hold you because you were the joy set before him. So by giving yourself over to him, you give him what it is that he wants. And so I pray that as you leave here tonight, as you go into the weekend, as you go throughout the rest of, your, rest of your week, and as you find yourself in these rhythms throughout your day, you would, you, would, you would sense him, you would catch him looking at you, almost like if you were to sit down in a coffee shop or a restaurant and someone was just to be looking at you, that feeling of just like, man, I feel like someone's just looking at me, just watching me in a gentle and compassionate way, you would sense, I feel like someone, like I feel like someone's just looking at me, just staring at me. You would hear him whisper to you, I am, I am. And it would cause your attention to immediately just be given over to him. And all of a sudden that moment at work, that moment when you're, I don't know, whatever, doing whatever, walking to and from your car, from a meeting or to a place, or, or walking up your stairs or down your stairs, getting up off your couch to walk to your, to your room, even something so little and insignificant, it becomes a holy moment because he stepped into it.
Jesus, I confess the, the things that are in my mind and heart of how I would like things to look or, or do or have them be. And I'm asking that you would help us become a community that exists to minister to you and so that if and when people are, are, so that when people are drawn to you, they get you and not only us. Holy Spirit, would you help us discover Jesus, the living Christ? We need to know him by experience. It can't just be theory. It can't just be information. I'm, I'm, I'm fearfully and painfully aware of what my life would look like outside of an ongoing experience with the living son of Jesus Christ. Teach us how to steward that. We, we, we want to be a place here in our city that exists to say, Jesus, look over here. You're welcome here. Come in, make your home here. You can have a place here. You can feel welcomed here. We may not know how exactly, but we are gonna do our best to satisfy the jealousy that pours out from you, looking for a bride that won't leave you on an altar with no one there to be married to. Help us, Holy Spirit, please. Help me, Holy Spirit. I ask that fear would be dealt with in this room. The reality of being sons and daughters of God would shut down and shut up fear. Bring creative and divine solutions to people's business ideas and business strategies. Every person that is wondering, well, how am I going to make this work? How's this going to happen? Thank you that dreams would come to them in the middle of the night to bring creative solutions out of their union with you. Thank you that things that people have been praying for and petitioning and laying upon your heart for years would be answered with a resounding yes. And that if there's warfare in the heavens right now going on over something that someone is praying for, breakthrough would come even now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. I pray that right now anyone that has been listening to this message would feel the permission from, their, from themselves to take the pressure off of themselves, to take the pressure off of themselves and find their living upon leaning upon the Savior. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that you don't ever have to come. You never have to, but you always do. You show up in splendor and you change the whole room. You don't ever have to come, but thank you that you do. Thank you, who is man, that you are mindful of him. Thank you for considering us. Thank you. We love you and we honor you and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you came here tonight and need prayer of any kind, physical, mental, emotional healing, you just need encouragement, 
like whatever it is, I just, I, I would really like to invite you to uh, come up to the front here. Just stand. Someone from our team will come up to you and pray for you. You don't have to go looking for anyone. Someone will come up and pray with you and talk with you. Just come up here, stand, kneel. Um, yeah, do whatever, but love you guys. Bless you as you go throughout this week and we'll see you either Wednesday morning for prayer set at 9.30 or we'll see you uh, uh, next Thursday at seven. Love you guys.